So I hope you guys are having a good <coughs> time at reInvent. Is that, you guys are having fun? Yeah? Nice. Woohoo! Snowmobile. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, so thank you, thank you. I appreciate your time um, attending this session on behalf of everybody at AWS. I want to thank all of you for being such a wonderful customer, partners, press, or analysts. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, what we are going to do in the next one hour or so is we are going to talk about six R's of migration strategy. Have you guys heard about six R's, five R's? At least people know about R's, right? Yeah, good. <clears throat> um, my name is Nirav. I'm a principal consultant with AWS Professional Services. Um, doing this job for about three years. Um, I did my first migration project back in 2014 and went on stage in 2014 with a customer uh, and their case studies published. And since then, I've been doing a lot of mass migration type projects. I was involved with Capital One. I'm involved with some of the largest insurance organizations in um, New England, <clears throat> helping them in their journey migrating into cloud. And a lot of what I'm going to share with you today is based on collective experience of AWS professional services consultants doing this on the field with the customer. So we have done it. And therefore, we're going to share our experience with you guys. Um, I'm also joined upon stage, one of our very esteemed customer and a personal friend of mine, Jeff. Um, Jeff heads um, foundational engineering services at Scholastic. And I'm sure everybody in the room knows Scholastic. Either you have consumed their products or you would have bought them for your kids or gifts for your neighbors and things of that nature. So Jeff is going to get up on stage and share um, their case study, which pretty much aligns to the content that I'm gonna share with you guys. Let's, let's begin. Now, just because you guys are present in the room, knowing the title of this session being Six Hours of Migration Strategy, um, I believe either there is a desire or an active initiative that you guys are working on to do a migration into AWS, okay? I would also assume if that is really the intent, you would have attended some of the sessions. Uh, for example, yesterday there were sessions on uh, large-scale migrations to AWS. Or earlier today, there was a session on <coughs> data migration to AWS. So if you haven't, if you didn't get a chance to attend, attend those sessions, I would highly encourage you to go back and whenever these sessions are, are published on YouTube, you know, do, um, do spare some time going through, through some of these sessions uh, because they'll provide you a great uh, aid in your migration journey. Okay? Um, <clears throat> what we're going to do today, or let me say what we are not going to cover today is when do you think of migration or why do you think of migration, okay? The assumption is you've already thought about migration. You have decided that you are going to migrate. And what we're gonna share in this session is the how part. How will you migrate, okay? Three major takeaways that I want you guys to take back from this session is, number one, people usually think of migration projects, especially large migration projects, as very complex. But believe me, it's a fear of unknown. 
with the right processes, tools, partners, and methodology, you can easily execute upon a good large migration project. The second thing that I want you to learn today is there's a huge ecosystem, an ever-growing ecosystem of partners and tools that are available to help you in your migration journey. Okay? And the last thing I want you to know is you're not the first one doing this. Okay? 2014, I shut down a data center. If you go to our website and look up Condé Nast, there's a four-minute video which begins from us taking out the servers in a data center and ends with a for sale sign outside of the data center. Right? So people have been doing this since I don't know whenever. But this is, this is not an unknown territory. Okay? Don't be afraid. There's a lot of learning available out there which you can use to make your successful, to make your migration journey very, very successful. Okay? So before we begin, I want to table this one. Um, you know, when I was a child, I was taught this story about blind man and elephant, right? Everybody's right. Everybody's right in their own perspective. So we're not going to debate about is rewrite the right strategy or record the right word or retirement is the right word. Let's not even go there, okay? What we have adopted, what we, AWS, has adopted is in 2011, Gartner published a white paper about five hours of migration strategy. We just took that and we're building on top of that, okay? <clears throat> so from that perspective, you know, what we're, going to, what we're going to refer today in the session is retain, which I personally don't like the word, and therefore you see a word in there called revisit, right? Anything that you will retain today, not migrate as a part of this initiative, ideally would mean you're going to revisit at some point in time and then work upon that particular workload to migrate it into whatever target environment. So retain, retire, rehost, replatform, refractor, and we tend to call it re-architect, replacing or going from an existing on-prem to a SaaS solution or PaaS solution is, is a replaced strategy which we want to, we tend to think it's a part of a re-architecture strategy. Replacement could be one of the re-architecture options that you have. Okay? As the name says, retain is, or revisit is, don't touch this workload today for whatever right or wrong reasons. You don't want to touch a workload today. You want to come back at a later date and then figure out what to do with that, what to do with that workload. Retire, as the name says, you know, you've got an overlapping functionality and therefore you're going to get rid of one of them. Rehost, think about lift and shift. Okay? Replatform, you're swapping out existing operating system, database, what have you. Refractoring, you're rewriting the code. Okay? You're going to touch the code. And re-architecture is you're going to build out the entire application, completely architected new based on current technology standards. Okay? So those are the terms we're going to use in, 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 in the session today. Um, a quick recap on how people have been doing it, and you might have seen this if you attended the session yesterday, or if you would have seen any YouTube video from AWS uh, on migrations. A lot of people, a lot of people, use an assessment-based approach. 
So you could be looking at the financials, you could be looking at the security, you could be looking at the technology aspects, so on and so forth. Today, the assessment-based approach or the assessment model has matured to a point where a lot of AWS consultants and partners use a scoring-based mechanism. Okay? A classic portfolio-level analysis is always easier done based on an assessment model. Okay? You take the entire portfolio, an entire data center, all the assets that belong to this data center, run it through an assessment model, and get yourself some quick results. Okay? At this point, I draw your attention back to this slide. Everything that you see from one, two, and three is usually a result of an assessment-based approach. So you're looking at the entire data center. You're not even investigating an individual application at this point. You're looking at the entire portfolio and quickly deciding which workloads are good for retail, retire, or rehost. The other three from the previous slide, replatform, refactor, and rearchitect, are usually done at a more detailed level. So think about on a per application basis, you will have to go and investigate quite a few things about the application, and answering to each one of those questions could mean you are going in one direction over the other. For example, when you ask yourself this question, what is the application roadmap, i.e., are you going to run this application for a longer period of time, and will this application ever require to be globalized, and will it ever require to be running out of not just Americas but Europe, and so on and so forth. And the moment you start asking these kind of questions on a per-application basis, the answers to this question are automatically driving you towards a particular R strategy alignment. Okay? Think about it. What are the costs associated with this application? If there is no cost, if the application doesn't have an active development cycle, it's just running there, and it will continue running there. It's just delivering a small functionality. Do you want to go and think about re-architecting this application? Probably not. Right? So <clears throat> portfolio-level assessment will give you retire, retain, sorry, retain, retire, rehost. An application-level assessment or analysis will allow you to identify between re-platform, refactor, and re-architecture workloads. Okay? Regardless of how you get there, an alternate approach that we have seen customers adapt is assuming you don't have all of this time to perform this analysis, assuming you've got a motivating event, which could be a hardware refresh cycle, an aging data center, your lease about to expire, your IT asset is end of life, end of support. There could be a plethora of reasons where you don't have enough time to go conduct a detailed assessment and analysis and then identify where do I go and align my migration strategy. In those cases, a quick chart like this could also be very, very handy. For example, you don't have a lot of time to spend on migrating it, but you still want some amount of agility or business value coming out of this migration project, right? Rehost or replatform could be a good strategy for you, okay? So two different approaches. If you have time, highly recommended, do a detailed analysis, do, do a very thorough assessment, and align a, a strategy. If you don't, you know, go ahead, do this, 
and then you'll still have time to go and optimize upon what's already migrated into AWS. Okay, so let's dive deeper into each one of those strategies. So retain or revisit. Classic examples, if you have an unsupported operating system, if your existing version of an available COX is not comp compatible with, with cloud-type technologies, if you have one of those legacy applications, um, which you cannot justify, there's no business justification for migrating it to cloud, it, 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 it runs only on the last three days, it quickly grabs all of your data from somewhere and ports it somewhere else. You may want to just retain it or keep it as is, right? Um, you're not changing anything. You're not investing time in doing anything else. You're just keeping it as is. A completely opposite of this, that strategy is the retire strategy. Classic example, you acquired IT assets as a part of mergers and acquisition. You're running an HR system the acquired entity is running an HR system, you ended up migrating HR data to consolidate into one system, what are you going to do with this IT asset, right? A classic example of retire. Those two are easy. Let's get a little more complicated. Uh, Rehost. As the picture represents, what you're really doing is, except for the underlying platform, which is a physical hardware or hypervisor, everything else, you're lifting and shifting, okay? A lot of people talk about Rehost as a lift and shift approach. It is very, very predictable, repeatable. It is, it is a little more economically viable solution um, because there are a lot of tools available out there, okay? A lot of people have done Rehosting. So it might be a little more easier um, because this is being, you know, done for, for, for a large number of times. Um, there's also a, a, a lot more maturity in the industry overall uh, when it comes to rehosting. And therefore, there could be a possibility that your stepping stone into cloud would begin with a rehost strategy. You will get your IT assets. Um, in, in one of the previous slides I was talking about, if there is a motivating event, if you're about to run out of lease on a co-location or, or a data center, might as well do rehost, get into cloud first, and then think about optimizing those workloads in cloud. Okay? When you adapt to a rehost type strategy, there, there, there are a few pros and cons that you should be aware. First and foremost, um, speed of migration at a very, very reduced risk. That's a pro, right? A lot of customers have done it, a lot of partners do support it, a lot of tools are available. So tool-assisted automated migration is possible with rehosting. And therefore, a lot of customers, you know, do it at a very, very fast pace with a very, very low risk and, and, and economically viable, okay? Um, but you have to remember, the application or the migration is application hypervisor and physical hardware agnostic, okay? Doesn't really matter what were you running on. Doesn't matter whether it was HP, Dell, what was the CPU, what was the memory, doesn't, doesn't matter. When it goes and lights up on the other end, when it converts into an EC2, it's gonna just run, okay? Could be automated, a lot of tools available. Last but not the least, um, supports, su supports migration system with configuration. And that's important from a couple of perspectives. Um, when, I work with, when I work with large enterprise customers, I've come across application that was developed six years ago, 
the original application developer doesn't even work, right? You don't have source code. It's an application that's running in an autopilot mode. You don't have access to source code. You don't have enough of knowledge about the application. A very classic example of rehost. Or on the other end of the spectrum, think about large, complex database systems which has undergone a lot of kernel fine-tuning and configuration, which is obviously not documented, but you want, to, you want to retain all of that configuration. Rehost is a very, very good strategy because Rehost is going to bring your system configuration, application, everything along with it, lift it and shift it and drop it into an EC2 instance. Okay? There are, there are quite a few cons as well. Because Rehost is not operating system agnostic, Okay, you're actually bringing your ugly babies to the, you get the point. <laughs> you may not be able, with Rehost, you don't probably have an option to consume some of the very native features that a cloud would offer. For example, scalability or multi-AZ. If, if you're doing a lift and shift, that's not your option probably. Okay? Unless you go and reconfigure things in that migration process. Okay? It's not going to happen. You will, just because of that, you will inherit some of your existing problems, if there are. So if your application was behaving poor, it will continue doing the same. It's not going to get a new life. It's going to behave exactly the same. And as a drawback, you are not going to retire any of your technical assets or technical debts, right? We'll just carry them over with you. Okay? Best practices when it comes to rehosting, um, use, use AWS, use partners, use tools. Okay? Please don't try reinventing the wheel. Okay? A lot of people have done this. Um, most of the customers that I work with have set up migration factories. And depending upon, there are, there are a couple of delivery models if you work with AWS, we'll share this with you. There is a, there is a value-based model and then there's a sprint-based model. And in both of those models, what we do is we set up a migration factory with the customer and there's a team of specialized resources which are part of the team which will go and quickly keep looking at the application and their dependencies and then keep scheduling migrations and cutovers. Okay? Um, evaluate and understand your infrastructure environment. Remember, with rehosting, what's happening is your infrastructure, which you're about to migrate, is not just serving your legitimate user data, your business data. It's also serving your migration need, which means there will be a strain on your existing infrastructure when you're performing migration using rehost strategy. So if you don't have enough storage capacity, if you don't have additional pipes, network bandwidths, you're going to strain your resources. So evaluate your infrastructure before you go on rehosting strategy. Challenge yourself, you will not get an option to do auto-scaling, but in some cases you'll have an option to go and revisit why did you need a DMZ? Why is this application requiring a DMZ? Can you put it in a different subnet? Can you only put a security group? And so on and so forth. Um, last but not the least, exercise migrations before doing a cutover. Okay? On, on, on the left side of the screen, uh, there are quite a few partner solutions that I've listed. Um, notably, a lot of these are either free or at a very, very minuscule penny a migration type uh, cost model. 
the Server Migration Service, um, AWS Server Migration Service, is absolutely free. Okay, it allows you to do a live cut over as well. And if you don't know about it, I'm doing a session tomorrow on SMS, so I'm not going to spend time talking about SMS in this session. The next, or the, or the, or the fourth, our strategy is replatform. Okay? Um, as I said on the first slide, what you're really doing is replacing or swapping out your existing operating system or databases with a newer one. Okay? Classic example, you're running something on AIX and you'll move it on an x86. Sorry, you'll move it on Red Hat Linux. Very classic example. Okay? Pros and cons, um, when, you, when you think about replatforming, the first one, you know, you will have opportunity to go and consume some of the services available in cloud, for example, RDS. You are using database, you'll continue using database, but you have an opportunity to swap it out with an RDS instance. And in the process of doing so, because RDS is a managed service, you are eliminating the need of patching and upgrading and maintaining high availability and worrying about uh, system outage and things of that nature. Okay? So you will have options with replatform to swap out some of those existing technologies with newer ones. Um, with replatform, obviously, there's no dependency, zero dependency, unlike rehost, zero dependency on OS, hypervisor, or the underlying physical hardware. Okay? That itself allows you to free from any proprietary technology that you might be tied up with today. Okay? Automated tool-assisted options are available in some cases, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, some of the cons, some re-platform projects may become very, very time-consuming, huge initiatives. So beware, okay? Beware of what your, what your targets are, and based on that, you know, adapt to the strategy. Uh, it might require both existing and new environments to run in parallel, because you're syncing up data from your old system, bringing it into new system, unlike rehost, where you could have done a cutover strategy with replatform, remember you're going to run both of these environments in parallel. And therefore, there could be additional cost during the migration process. Okay? Um, it will require a lot more additional planning and coordination. If you think about it, the previous strategy, rehost, could very much be independently driven by your IT guys, your IT infrastructure guys. You don't need your application owners to be planning and everything else, right? You still need them for testing and UAT and FAT, but you don't need them in the migration process itself. Versus with re-platform, it'll be jointly owned by IT guys as well as the application guys. And therefore, that last bullet, it'll require additional planning and coordination. Okay? Best practices. Um, evaluate your code dependencies on operating system, just in case if you're swapping out the operating system. A classic example that I like to talk about on the first bullet is, if anybody still remembers HPUX from back in the day, HPUX used to have a clustering technology called as MC Service Guard clusters. And with MC Service Guard clusters, you can configure your own automated, gracious failover mechanisms. If you were ever doing anything of that nature, remember, you're swapping out HPUX. You don't have MC Service Guard clusters. So understand what your application was consuming from the operating system. Okay? You might have to make modifications to the code. 
Um, if at all there is a trade-off, an MC service guard again, a good example, if there is a functionality trade-off, you were clustered but you're not anymore, or you're swapping other clustering technology, make sure you understand you communicated with the application owners, partners in some cases, because they're integrated with your systems, they're consuming it, you might want them to be aware about that as well. Consider hybrid environments. Consider hybrid environments, i.e. both running in parallel. A lot of customers, last bullet, have considered because there is a hybrid environment, both of them are running in parallel, let's do a DNS switchover. A very, very minimal downtime during the cutover process. You implemented a newer system, you tested it, you verified it, and then you did a DNS switch to go ahead and activate your new system. Okay, quite a few examples of partner solutions in there. Um, you guys have heard about database migration service. I'm not going to talk about it. It can do database migrations and schema conversions. What I'm going to talk about, or spend uh, 30 seconds is, I don't know if you guys have heard about SNP. They fit a very unique use case. SNP has developed IP tools and automation around ERP system migration. So what database migration service does for databases, SNP has developed tools to do the exact same thing for SAP. So if you're running SAP on Sun Solaris or IBM P-Series and you want to go to x86 and in the process upgrade your SAP environment, go and look up these guys. Um, they have some very good tools and, and automated solution available to do that. All right, moving on. Refactoring. This is one of the favorites. Everybody loves refactoring because this is primarily driven by developers, by the way. So primary driver of refactoring type strategy are the application owners, developers. What you're doing as a part of refactoring is the only thing you're retaining is user data. Application binary or the application code will undergo a change, okay? The change could be as minimum as remove an IP address of a database server from your web server to as complex as let's not have a server, let's go ahead and use Lambda, something like that, okay? So basically, primarily driven by application owners or developers, you're touching the code, you're swapping or you're rewriting, okay? Refactoring is also, um, you know, termed as rewrite the code. So you're swapping out the code. Pros, absolutely new application some functionality that never existed in your code because it was developed back in the day is now available to you. Gives you a lot more flexibility, a lot more choice, a lot more portability option. And in the process, you could be adapting to more modern customer needs. Okay? Cons with this one, uh, it could get complicated. Okay? It can get complicated. Um, requires a very good understanding of all the aspects of your code, security and authentication and dependency and coupling and dependency on the operating systems and DLLs and so on and so forth. So it can get complicated. Um, you need a very, very good understanding, okay? It could also be become expensive. If you think about refactoring even outside of the migration initiative, you know, about five years ago, there used to be a service available pretty much from all these service provider called as legacy modernization. More or less the same. You're looking at a legacy code, you're modernizing it, and in the process, you're going to consume cloud-native features and functionality. You will add multi-AZ support. You will add auto-scaling. You'll do session state management on the application side, and so on and so forth. 
Okay. Best practices, um, scope it properly. You know, don't make sure it doesn't become a re-engineering project because you lose on time and money. Um, make, sure, make sure your code is working as expected. And then obviously note down all the features and functionality, either from the existing code or the desired state. Um, it also consider this also as a good opportunity to introduce CI CD practices. Okay, a lot of customers do that. Wherever possible, break down your refactoring initiative into smaller individual projects. So you take a piece of code, change it, test it through CI CD probably, and, and, and release it, and then pick up a new one, so on and so forth. Use automated tools wherever you have an option. There are quite a few use cases. I've listed one. Um, if you're running an application in C++, you might be able to use Lint Visual, Assi Visual Assist, Visual Studio, things of that nature, and convert your application code. Okay? There are some partners listed over there um, who do a good job of automatically reading through your code, conducting an assessment, and making a recommendation on what opportunities do you have with your application or legacy code to modernize and consume newer features, uh, newer features. Last one, um, re-architect, uh, which could also include replace. As you see in the picture, what you're doing is you only care about user data, okay? You're going to swap out everything else. And in the process of swapping, you might also do replace. You might go and buy a SaaS solution or a PaaS solution, okay? Um, pros and cons. Um, with, with re-architecture, you are basically eliminating dependency on any custom hardware, okay? Or any custom proprietary technology solution that you're using. If replace happens to be a part of your re-architecture uh, strategy, you're completely eliminating the dependency on hardware. You're not even maintaining hardware. You're not even maintaining IT assets. You're going to use pay-per-use model from an hosted solution, and you will only pay for what you're consuming with an SLA commitment. So, so availability, maintenance, performance is not your headache anymore, okay? Some of the cons, um, a, a more detailed, a more careful evaluation of an available solution is required, okay? Some of these, um, some of these projects I've seen grow much bigger into scale because when you pick up a re-architecture type uh, strategy, you will realize along the journey, oh, might as well change this code. Oh, might as well add this. Might as well add that. And in that process, you know, you will end up um, prolonging the project and, and spending more, more than you should have spent. Um, the last con, uh, data migration is still required. Okay? So carefully evaluate if, from pure functionality perspective, if there is a solution available, if there is, plan data migration and, and, and use an available solution. Best practices, um, evaluate your option not just from a technical functionality perspective, uh, but you'll also think about integration with partners, integration with, with third-party providers, financial, security, so on and so forth. Uh, build and run in parallel. It's a hosted solution. Whenever you want, go test it. You know, shut it down when you don't want it. Uh, test functionality in smaller batches. Okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about an HR system example over here. 
benefits versus sign-ups versus payrolls and so on and so forth. And last but not the least, um, if SaaS is the strategy that you want to adopt to identify a small subset of user who are going to perform all of this testing and functionality testing on your behalf, and they should have a little more patience because they're part of that initial test phase. Okay? That brings me to my last slide. So when you think about, when you think about um, evaluating your application or your strategy on those three dimensions, time, cost, and agility, uh, and by the way, cost is relative to those six strategies. This is not a representation of your TCO or an, or an ROI of the migration initiative. It's just a representation of how does it, how does it scale against or how does it scale amongst those six strategies? Okay? So, so this is what it looks like based on our experience. And history is not any indication of future here. But based on our experience so far, last three years, refactoring seems to be most rewarding. Okay? Customers are able to get the best out of a refactoring strategy because they have an opportunity to go use cloud in a way that it is meant to be used. If you have an appetite, if you have time, if you're not pushed to vacate a data center tomorrow, consider refactoring. It's the most rewarding in terms of um, outcome. Most balanced is rehost. You're able to quick, get there quick um, at, a, at, a, at a less spend in an economical manner, and then obviously you have opportunities to go ahead and, and optimize your applications. Okay? All right. Time to invite my friend Jeff. All right. Can everybody hear me? All right. I was told I should use my outdoor voice, and I'm going to do that, so it's on the people in the back to make sure you're not deafened. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about us, Scholastic, a little bit about why we're here and what we did over the last few years, um, talk to you a little bit about some big picture strategic things you should be thinking of. A lot of it's very much aligned with what my friend Narav was just talking about. Um, and then I'm going to walk you through a number of case studies that show how those six R's applied to what we did. And um, I have the good luck of being able to talk to you here today with one of the best gifts in the world given to me yesterday, which is um, uh, yesterday I got email from one of the folks on Scholastic staff that we had broom swept and given the keys back to our colo spaces and basically finished our data center migration. Um, and that was about a month ahead of schedule from when we were there at the end of it, and it was a th more or less a three-year journey. Um, about three years ago, uh, I started at Scholastic uh, to help accelerate their cloud migrations, among other things, and we thought it was going to take about three years. Uh, and and, and that's what it took. So uh, when, when you see these things here, these are actually things we did, and it's done, <laughs> which is very nice. So Scholastic, um, I won't go too much into that. World's largest children's publisher. Uh, you know, our, our core mission is encouraging literacy and education in children through, through reading. It's been around for 96 years. Uh, we are publishing and distributing and doing business in 165 countries in 45 different languages, and we are, among other things, also one of the leading providers of educational material to, to children, K through 8. 
We're a trade paperback publisher as well. Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, Captain Underpants, if you have kids or if you just like being a kid. Um, but uh, um, so that's what we are. And, and you may be wondering in some ways, why is a children's publisher here talking about tech? But it's a large operation. It's a $1.7 billion a year business. Um, we have, I don't know, more than 2,000 instances running in Amazon. Um, we probably migrated over the course of these three years 40 or 50 different kinds of applications um, and running everything from back office internal support stuff for, um, for, for production of content or applications to consumer-facing websites and uh, custom web apps and things like that. All right. So some big things to think about. And, uh, and my slides are boring, so I'm just going to tell you a story. You don't need to really think about them too much. Uh, cost, obviously, matters a lot. And we're going to get into that in a little bit more in just a minute. Then there are some other things that are part of the strategy of how you align your six R's, uh, or really maybe what drives you into one of them, or uh, the flip side um, drives you away from certain approaches. So uncertainty and flexibility, those two things go together. You know, if you're thinking about picking something up and moving it, you need to think about how, how much does today's version of that represent what I think it's going to need to be in the future, right? Is it sized right? Is it sized right for what I need today? Is it sized right for where we're going to go tomorrow? Um, is it stable, right? Are there pain points? Um, if I move it around, do I know enough about it to have an idea of whether it's going to work or not work? Um, and then flexibility, of course, also. How big is this going to grow? How much does that matter that uh, in the cloud, because it's on demand, you can change things very, very quickly? That's a really valuable asset to have. It's a tool, really great tool in your toolbox, but um, it may not matter for certain applications. The things that we talked about before, uh, where you might retire them or retain them, if it's a stable application, it's not growing, well, flexibility isn't really, really very valuable, uh, or at least not immediately. Um, risk, of course, right? Um, certain applications are business hours, right? If, if it is offline and it impedes some internal business process uh, and it, it means that something gets published a day later or finished a day or an hour later, not that big a deal. Uh, it, it's painful for the person who didn't get what they wanted, but it's not that big a deal for your customers. Uh, and if it's something that's powering every transaction for every customer you have uh, or is key business thing that's, that's helping you capture and retain revenue, uh, that's big, big risk and you need to treat it with more attention and be careful. Uh, but that also means there's reward, right? Uh, potential upside there. Um, scale, I talked about before, flexibility. Then there are two at the bottom there that I think are important, and they get lost a lot of times in technical uh, conferences, and when you think about the technical approach to these things, there's the organization. You're going to do a migration. Even when you're doing uh, re-host or lift and shift, operating in the cloud in Amazon is different than it is in your data center. A lot of it's the same, but a lot of it isn't the same. And you need to be prepared in your organization to accommodate that change and to be ready to operate your assets in the cloud. And you can have a successful migration, and if things fall over after you're done because you don't really know what to do with that afterwards, then it's not going to succeed. And then strategy and reputation. Um, there are strategic reasons that you may want to go do a migration. It's because you want to grow your business. It's because you want to become a, a more important or more visible uh, player in your sector, in your segment, in your vertical. Um, it's because you want to be able to come here and give a talk at something like Amazon reInvent and help you recruit. And, and those things matter a lot, and um, don't forget them. All right. 
There we go, some costs. Uh, I won't drain this too badly, but here are a couple things you need to be thinking about when you go and do this. You have to have some sense of your current costs because it becomes your baseline for evaluating what's gonna happen afterwards. You should be looking at like-for-like like costs. Yeah, you know, when you're talking about uh, re-host, right? Lift and shift. Um, what does it look like today? Your, and your total costs, your infrastructure costs, your um, capital costs, your power costs in your data center, your colo fees, um, your staff costs, right? Um, and then what would it look like if you just took it the same way and moved it over? And those things are pretty, gra uh, pretty gross. They don't, they're not really fine-grained, but they give you a really good idea of, does this even make sense? Um, your ideal architecture costs. You know, when you're talking about re, uh, refactoring or re-architecting, re refactoring, I think, is the one we're using here. Um, if you have some thing that you're trying to accomplish, so we're a content company, we distribute a lot of content. And if you're familiar with the Amazon ecosystem, you know that if you have S3 and CloudFront and maybe a light application tier and maybe some Lambda functions, you could have a really fantastic content distribution system, you know, a content management system and distribution system website for really cheap, right? It's dramatically different than what it would have been if you were paying colo fees and servers and F5 load balancer, all of which are fantastic things, by the way. I'm not criticizing them. Uh, so you should take a look at that because if it's a big enough difference, then it may be worth going and doing, even if it's gonna take you longer, uh, and even if you might not really consider it otherwise. Your pain points, obviously, here. Um, if you've been in this business doing operations and infrastructure management, there are things that don't work. There are things that are painful. There are, uh, you know, you have to have somebody in your data center to swap out drives when they die. And, um, uh, or you have to wait for three months for uh, hardware to come in. Or you, your colo facility is out of power that week or that month until somebody else leaves. And, and those are real pains, and you should be thinking about when you migrate, which of those go away? And if, if that may be valuable enough. There's a lot of time that you get back and a lot of reputation internally in your company that you might get back by executing a migration. Transition costs, obviously. It's not free, right? Um, the more aggressive you get with refactoring and re-architecting, the more expensive time-wise and dollar-wise this can be. So you need to get an idea of what it is that you're signing up for when you go and do this. And, and you can gate that. You can fact, you know, or if you just pick it up and move it, you minimize those costs. And if you're gonna go and rip it apart and put it back together again, those costs are quite a bit higher, but the reward may very well be worth it. And then the last one, again, something that uh, as a technologist, uh, sometimes I forget, opportunity costs. What else could you be doing? What else could you be doing with the time you're about to spend migrating it? What else could you be doing with the time that you're gonna get back once something is migrated and those pain points are gone? Um, what else could you be doing if you um, knew that it only took you five minutes to provision instead of an hour or, or a day? All right, enough with the big stuff. Well, no, sorry, not enough. <laughs> One more. Uh, all right, so Nirav talked about the analysis approaches. I wanna talk a little bit about some of the ways that those came together for what we were doing. So when we were thinking about retain or rehost, we were doing macro analysis, just like for like costs, get an idea. And if those look good and we had some other factors that said that um, either keeping it or, or moving it, lifting and shifting it was gonna work, that was enough for us. Um, when you're talking about replatforming and re-architecting, that architectural analysis matters. If you're talking about uh, rehosting even and, and refactoring, cost avoidance and scale matters. And then you always have to be thinking about business alignment and the lifespan of this application, this investment. Particularly, you're talking about it's gonna cost you money to transition. So if the application in its current state 
is not really going to drive revenue for the business or the business doesn't care, maybe it's not worth it at all. Maybe that should be driving you to retire. All right, now the real stuff, good stuff. We got started three years ago. Um, we took maybe the first six months to a year to lay foundational stuff and to be cautious. We did the next year and we were aggressive. And then we did this last year. And at this point, it was a pretty well-oiled machine. And we moved a lot of stuff this last year. And there are some things that we started with and some things we learned that became our mantras for this. Um, one was a simplifying assumption for us, which may or may not apply to you when you tackle this. But for us, everything must go. We knew going in that we were going to retire our data centers. There was no question about whether we would, um, which if you can imagine that, that makes a lot of things really easy. You Now you can be talking about tactics, right, and how to go do it, and not so much about whether it's worth it. Um, now that mattered for us. Uh, it mattered for us because we were facing significant capital investments to keep our colo facilities. It mattered for us because, like many publishers, we are in the midst of a bunch of disruption because of digital content and di digital distributions and changes in our consumers and marketplace. And so we knew we needed to modernize, and that made it a lot easier to do a lot of other things. Uh, however, we didn't, that wasn't enough by itself, right? Um, another thing, important, uh, again, technologists, I don't know about you, I love a perfect solution. It's so elegant, it's so perfect, I want it to be architecturally perfect. Uh, but uh, perfect is the enemy of good or done or complete, right? So. We said, we're going to move one thing at a time. We're going to improve one thing. If we can find one win in the migration, it doesn't matter that it's not perfect. That's good enough. And part of that is because incremental improvements, once you're in the cloud, are a lot easier. Right? You don't have to worry about writing off your investment in your hardware. Right? You can resize something. You can spin up a new one and try again. No big deal. It takes time and money, but, but no big deal. All right. Two more, important, really important. And Rob talked about this before. You know, when you're getting started, the hesitation a lot of times is really born out of fear. So just do it, right? Just start. Um, if there's any doubt, move it, right? If once you've moved it, A, you now know what worked and didn't work instead of speculating. And you can speculate forever. Um, you've tackled some of the complexity and retired it. And then um, you know a lot of times, again, we're not talking generally speaking about things you don't know. You, you have stuff. It's already running. You were able to operate it successfully. And so there's not that much that's so deeply different about running in the cloud that you should lose sight of that. Right? You'll be able to work it through it. Um, but you have to go and do it. Right? It's not enough. You can find endless reasons to not start. Just start. Just go. And incremental improvements in the cloud, those are dollar improvements, too. So if you're an executive, you're talking about your finance folks, um, you can show an immediate return a lot of times with those improvements once it's in the cloud. And it, otherwise, you're talking about long contracts and, and writing off hardware or waiting until it's been uh, completely depreciated. And that's just a very different scenario uh, than once you're in, in the cloud. All right. So some examples. This was a retain for us, but it was also a re revisit. Uh, Narav was very spot on. Uh, retains are almost never just retained forever. Stuff changes in technology so quickly. Uh, so our e-commerce platform. When we got started, we thought we were going to move this to the cloud. Um, and, uh, but it was a complicated one, and we didn't want to tackle it first. We wanted to tackle easier things first. So we deferred it a little bit. Uh, and then we realized mm, this was not a good idea for us right then. We had done some recent infrastructure investment, so it was kind of new. 
it was an older technology and there wasn't that much, nobody else in the market was really running it in, in Amazon. We thought we could do it, but we would have been out, out there, out front. Um, there was no obvious support for getting it done uh, from vendors or internally or even from Amazon, and Amazon was willing to tackle it, but uh, we would have been blazing a trail. And we were blazing a trail for something that had a limited lifespan. We knew, especially part of the way in, that the solution we had was not going to be adequate for what we were, where we wanted to go. And so we said, no, this doesn't make sense. Stop. Retain this. Keep it in place. Um, there was no real value in moving it. And we left it in place for two years, and then we retired it, except we didn't really retire it. We re-architected it and moved it to a SaaS solution instead. Uh, so, um, and you'll see a lot in my slides that there's a continuum, and, and it's almost never just one of these R's. Um, all right. Uh, Rehost and replatform. For us, this really is a continuum. Um, we had a vast uh, infrastructure for websites for marketing, and it was on a wide array of technologies. Uh, you know, straight up LAMP stack and Java things and IIS and .NET and Ruby on Rails and um, some web CMS things and Drupal and just any, anything that was there you can imagine it, we were running some of it. Uh, so uh, from a functional perspective, it was one thing, marketing websites, but from an in infrastructure and technology perspective, it was a bunch of things. So we picked those up and we ended up moving them. Um, we knew that we had to, uh, not just because we were moving everything, but because the status quo just wasn't working for us. It was complicated, it was aging, it was falling apart. The technologies that we were gonna move were really well supported in Amazon, in, in AWS. We had a good in-house team who understood the tech and understood the migrations and understood Amazon web services. Uh, we had a content uh, distribution network, a CDN, in front of all this, so we had a really low risk migration path. With DNS and changing the CDN stuff, we could go and, and point things back and forth in Amazon uh, or back in our data center at will. And um, because each piece was kind of independent, we could pick it up, provision it in AWS, test it there, and then cut it over on a granular basis. So we just went ahead and did it. And um, you know, we migrated it and did upgrades, and it took about three months to move everything. Eh, four months, probably a little longer to think about it than it took to actually execute. All right, re-architect. This is an interesting one. So our digital platform, that underlies all of the educational software that Scholastic is fielding. and provides standard services for fulfillment, for entitlement, hey, how do you get access to the software, and for classroom management. Um, we're an educational company, so those things matter. We want to serve teachers. We had something in place. That, well, we actually had four or five of these in place. <laughs> um, and none of them were really adequate for where we wanted to go. We knew that. And none of them really did all the same sets of features. And the business alignment there was important. The business was very interested in growing this part of, of how we operate. So there was a willingness to invest. And there was a future there. And we fielded a development team that was good. And we found in the AWS world that there was a really good architectural fit for what we were trying to accomplish. So we ended up tearing this apart, uh, consolidating a bunch of technologies, and then rebuilding it using some standard things and then some uh, Lambda and uh, ElastiCache and a number of things that are just, they look nothing like the systems that they replaced. And uh, that was easy, well, easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy, but it uh, was successful. And we ended up in a world where the cost of, of fielding this is uh, one-tenth what it was before, maybe less. The performance improvements are probably multiple orders of magnitude, and we know we're going to be able to scale this up and out with minimal architectural changes moving forward. And that was worth it in this case. Refactor and uh, replatforming, again, it's sort of a continuum. 
um, our identity services, single sign-on. If you log into Scholastic, this is the thing that handles your logging in for the entire enterprise. Um, this was a refactor with a little bit of replatforming because the architecture as a whole was good. It was stable. Um, and we knew we could move it with a set of small changes that we could isolate and then some opportunistic larger changes. And the technology fit in Amazon. Um, we knew that we had some pain points that we knew we would be able to resolve. Um, similar, development team was strong. Uh, we had no choice because what we were running on was breaking. So that was a big incentive to pick it up and move it. And uh, I'll brief one here. So, so we did that over the course of about three or four months. We spent a lot of time there um, doing a lot of testing and failure testing and taking advantage of um, a number of Amazon technologies there for rapid reprovisioning and uh, CloudWatch and all, all these interesting things. And we ended up with something that runs about 10 times faster than what it replaced. And the time it takes to recover service and the stability is five to 10 times better than what it replaced. Uh, dramatic differences. Um, and then the cost of, of running it is actually comparable, maybe a little bit less, but the cost of scaling it is going to be dramatically less. And then retire, last one. Um, a bunch of legacy web products. I'm not going to get into the details here. We've been around for a long time. We've been in the internet for a long time. We had a long history, a long tail of things that were developed 10 or 15 years ago, um, all of which were pro providing similar functions, a spread of technologies, end of life, no easy migration path to anywhere. We tried. Um, we, we tried with some of the partners that were out there, too, who said, yeah, that's too old. Sorry, we can't, can't guarantee anything for you. And um, the business was also not all that interested in, in them. They, they were not sure whether there was that much life left in some of those product lines. And we knew by the time we were getting to this one, this is something we tackled later, that there were other options within our enterprise that might be a better fit for solving these problems. So we have ended up retiring almost all of these things and moving them. Uh, the functionality, when it mattered, has been somewhat consolidated and moved to other platforms within the company. And then the business, interestingly here, also chose to retire some product lines. They said, you know, we understand that if we do nothing, they're going to fail. And you know what? It's just not worth doing anything. There's just not enough revenue here, so we're going to let it go. Um, so there you go. I mean, that's, that's what we did. It took us three years. It was successful. Um, anybody in this room can go and do what we did. We, um, we had a nice widespread of things. We've touched everything across the entire enterprise. And the biggest thing is just go and do it. Um, take advantage of it, right? You can, you can spin it up and run it in parallel, if you can afford it, <laughs> and test it, and then throw it away and start again uh, for any of these strategies. You know? so, so I would say go do it. All right. And Thank you. Yeah, one last thing, right? All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you one more slide, and with 99 percentile confidence I'm saying this, you're gonna like what you see next. Um, I'm not gonna spend any time on this slide um, because I wanna show you the next one. This slide, you know, just take the message away. There are quite a few, there are quite a few tools uh, in the migration space that we provide, right from planning to performing the actual migration or just moving the data and post-migration, validation um, and things of that nature. But what I want to show you next is what we're doing, what we're doing, AWS. We're working um, on improving this whole migration journey, okay? Um, we want to simplify and accelerate um, the entire migration process of your application portfolio. Uh, from your existing data centers into AWS. 
And towards that, what we're doing is, if you think about it, everything that you saw today, AWS tools or partner tools um, offer you a resource-level migration tool, okay? But do you guys really do, or does customer, does any customer do a migration at a resource level? Probably not. You're not going to pick up a web server today and a database tomorrow, right? What matters to you, our customers, is what we internally call as a vertical grouping of application. So you got an application, it has three tiers, got web and middleware and database. For you, what matters or what makes up a unit is on a per application basis. So there is clearly a disconnect on what's available to you today versus how do you want to do it. And therefore, what we're doing is we're working on this. We're working on creating a migration platform from an application perspective. Think about in future, you will have something available where you can go and track every resource on a per application basis. Track progress of your migration task. Get automated recommendations on is this a good factor, is this a good candidate for refactoring versus retaining. And then once you decide, we'll give you one click option, provide you reporting and dashboard capability of what's migrated, how much data is already seeded, are you ready for a cutover, did the cutover happen, so on and so forth. Okay? That's it. That's all we had for you. Um, we're running out of time, but both me and Jeff are available. If you guys have any question, um, please, please see us after the. Thank you.